When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Hey, John. How are you? It's all right. So, I'm going to go on ahead and open up uh, the intro real quick. Thank so, you. All right. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, for Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio. And I just want to say it's an honor and a privilege to be able to talk about movies in front of a virtual water cooler. And for today's podcast, it's going to be our top 10 show. This is actually going to be mine and Rick's. Top 10 Tarantino movies. So sit back, enjoy. I hope you guys enjoy it. And Rick, go on ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Rick. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tarantino movies. Big fan of John and the stage. And I'm pretty excited to be here again. Glad to have you back. So this is going to be the first thing that I want to go on ahead and do and talk about what of the... This is actually not even a Tarantino film. This is actually a movie that he wrote in order for him to go and make Reservoir Dogs. And that movie is True Romance. And True Romance, of course, you know, is about, you know, this guy who's obsessed with Elvis who winds up, can, uh, what he winds up doing, he falls in love with a prostitute named Tennessee, I believe. And then, of course, the, he, they wind up taking her suitcase, thinking that it's her clothes, but really it's cocaine belonging to the Italian mob. The Italian mob guy is actually Christopher Walken. So, and everything through this whole entire movie is just fantastic. I love the way the whole entire setup is. And then, of course, you know, with it being directed by a different director and not by Quentin Tarantino, and they still managed to keep uh, Tarantino kind of flavor to it, they still did a fantastic job with it, even with the blood and stuff. But do you have any questions about the movie, though? Uh, no, I mean, if you mix Tarantino writing with Christopher Walken, I mean, that's that's all you got to say for me. It sounds, it just sounds like a Tarantino film. You know, even though he's not the one to direct it. Yeah, a, a prostitute stealing cocaine from a, you know, from a criminal boss with this whole crazy love story entwined with lots of blood and violence. That, that sounds like Tarantino. I would watch right. that. But one of the people I haven't seen, and I really want to now that, like, after hearing you describe it, because it sounds freaking awesome. Dude, it really is. Like, I could, like I said before, at one time or another, I I remember going into a blockbuster probably and just ignoring it, thinking that it's just a love story. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. Even the cover on itself is even misleading as well. I mean, it's almost like, oh, true romance. A Tarantino movie would be like, what? He doesn't write chick flicks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and especially if you watch the movie, it says written by Quentin Tarantino. And you're like, wait, he wrote a romance movie? Best damn romance <laughs> movie ever. <laughs> right? And another thing, too, is it kind of reminds you in a way, it's like, okay, let's go on. He, the guy gets the girl and he's like, okay, let's go on ahead and escape to Mexico or somewhere else to get away from everything. And at the same time, you have these Italian mob bosses following you the whole entire ride. That's what it seems like to me when I'm watching it. It's something along those lines, you know? Sounds good to me. I watched it. (laughs) 
if I ever run across it or whatever, I'll and if I run run into it at like Walmart on a Blu-ray or DVD, I'll send it to you. Oh, nice! I would love so, that. I gotta check on all my streaming things that it's on there too. I gotta find out because I got I got a couple. Uh, well, if you have Amazon, do you have like Amazon Prime? Yeah. Check out Amazon Prime and see if they have it because I know they have a big, huge catalog, so it might be in there. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. But what's your number one? My number one is Inglorious Bastards. I absolutely love that movie. Uh, I'm a history teacher, and it's about, you know, it's World War II, but it's not World War II because it's in the Tarantino universe. Uh, Tarantino likes to do a lot of uh, kind of uh, non, you know, non-historically accurate history. Uh, there's another movie that he does where he kind of changes historical events and stuff. And I like that because alternate history is always something that is that is fun to talk about, especially as a history teacher with my history friends of, oh, what if this and what if that? And this is pretty much a story about what if a bunch of American badasses assassinated Hitler? <laughs> and not only is it, it's not just about them, and they're not really the ones that make it my favorite Tarantino movie. What makes it my favorite Tarantino movie is uh, pretty much, really, it's the bad guy through the whole thing, and that is played by uh, Christoph Waltz, and I love him in this movie. He is such a good actor in this movie, and he plays uh, he plays Colonel Hounds, and he's such a good Nazi. <laughs> uh, he's a bad guy that you hate him because he's such an evil, terrible, bad person. But you love him at the same time because he's just so freaking good at it and so suave at the same time when he's doing it. And like that opening farm scene when he's just talking, it gave me goosebumps the first time I saw it. It was just so good. His whole mannerism, the whole way he carried himself through that scene, it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, right. Don't mess with this guy. That's what sold me with that character, too, is like, okay, this is one character you do not want to come across, and you don't want to lie to this character. Otherwise, you're going to be dead, and your whole family is going to be dead. Yeah, I mean, he just, he carries himself, so you would think that a World War II movie like Hitler's the bad guy. You know, like, that's, right. in most it's World like... War II movies, that's how it goes. Hitler's the bad guy, but in this one, uh, I mean, Hitler's in it. Uh, the whole right. movie is about assassinating Hitler, but he's not really the bad guy in it. Right. If you think about it, Hitler's like secondary, and this guy's like first. Yeah, Hitler, Hitler's almost like made fun of in the movie. Uh, right. As, <laughs> like a child with a temper tantrum wearing a cape of the swastika, which is hilarious. <laughs> now but, you're uh, super mad. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, this, I, I love this movie. This movie is, is so well done. It follows a whole bunch of different characters uh, doing different things leading up to the same goal. And uh, Brad Pitt is also so awesome in this movie, such a badass. And all the people that he recruits to help him out are just so awesome. I love that movie. It's it's my favorite Tarantino movie, definitely. Like you said, this is what makes my favorite Tarantino movie too, as well. I actually have this on number three on my list. So to seeing it like on your number one list, that's actually pretty cool. But what makes this my favorite Tarantino movie is you have all these pieces moving. And you don't know what direction that he's going in with this. You're thinking that this director has like ADD where you have these puzzle pieces moving. 
in separate places, but it all ties in. And once it actually hits like towards the end and everything, it all comes together. And you're like, oh my God, this is something that, you know, that is just extraordinary that hasn't even been done before as a what if kind of story within the whole entire World War II kind of era that we haven't gotten before. And then not only that, but you also have, uh, what's his name from Austin Powers in it? You have uh, Mike Myers in it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, um, Mike Myers, yeah. That's actually pretty cool because he's also Jewish. So. Yeah, he's uh, the general, right? Yeah, I forget. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is fantastic, right? But, uh, and I think I think it's a cool movie because, like you said, it's a whole bunch of different people doing different things, having no idea that they're actually affecting each other in the end with a common goal, and just them like meeting in this one scene that is just. So awesome. And I mean, there's a lot of really cool characters, a lot of great actors in it. And I mean, yeah, it's World War II, but it is completely fictionalized. Really, like the only thing that's historically accurate is that there were Nazis and there's Hitler. Right. <laughs> and like yeah. everything else is just completely like not, you know, just some crazy story, but it's awesome. Right. And then there's also another thing that I like too was with Brad Pitt's character. You can actually tell that he's one of those guys that are this big, huge, macho guy that wants to take down um, Hitler. And not only that, but his gang that he has with him is like, you better watch out for these guys because these guys are next level of outside the military kind of people where they just don't give a shit about oh, yeah. Got the bear Jew and uh, just all oh, so many badass dudes. Uh, Hugo Stiglitz, uh, Hugo Stiglitz, that was it. Ah, uh, just an ex-Nazi dude who literally just is a psychopath for murder. He's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so many but, cool characters in this movie. But another thing too is I was going to tell you about the the actor I was thinking about the other night that I was trying to tell you about uh, was Sam Levine. Sam Levine played the little short guy that was part of Brad Pitt's group. Okay. Okay. And he's in the Ultimate Showdown. Well, he was, but he retired. But, you know, it's just a movie trivia show where basically you have inner geekdom belts. You're competing against other competitors. Who's the best with the, as far as being a Schmodown competitor with movie trivia? And it's actually kind of like a WWE kind of setting where they actually have people that are good guys and bad guys and stuff like that. That's pretty awesome. It is. That, that sounds pretty actually, sweet. You know what they actually did? They went to Texas to Booker T's wrestling ring and they actually had a movie trivia showdown competitor thing in a wrestling ring. And they even had tables, ladders, and chairs and stuff like that. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> so it's actually pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I caught on to the showdown around 2013, 2014, whenever it was just called the Schmo's No Show. Now it's called SEN Live. But they're still doing it. They're still doing the schmodown uh, and stuff. But anyways, um, backtracking with um, Inglorious Bastards. I mean, the other thing that I really enjoyed was the whole aspect where you have Hitler that is going to a movie theater to get away from everything. And I'm like, wow, this guy wants to get away from his own chaos to get away from all that? That is... So the history teacher to me is coming out right now. Uh, during the 1920s and 1930s, uh, an incident in the 1940s, the movie, the movie industry 
blew up. Those were the years of the movies. Uh, and a big reason for that was you were poor and depressed, and you wanted to escape your life even for just a couple of hours, so you went to the movies. Right. And uh, the movie industry boomed in that time. Uh, that's where, like, a lot of the big, big famous characters uh, from later on got their start was in that uh, time frame. So, yeah, a lot of people, including Hitler, went to the movies. Let's see. <clears throat> For my number, this is going to be my number two, and that is Reservoir Dogs. And, you know, I re- I actually have the soundtrack to Reservoir Dogs. I forgot to tell you that. And the soundtrack in itself actually describes the whole entire theme of this movie and everything. It sets everything up perfectly. As a matter of fact, I remember you know, coming into it in the middle of the movie. And I, at that time, I had, like, a real hate and love relationship with Quentin Tarantino where I'm not sure what to think of his shooting style. Because if you don't see Reservoir Dogs from the very beginning, you're going to be totally lost. Oh, yeah. so, I recommend, so I recommend anybody who wants to see Reservoir Dogs, if you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, start off from the very beginning. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense at all in this movie. But I love whenever they're going into this thing where – they're hiding out from the cops and it goes into flashback mode where they're setting up this bank heist and everything. And one person's Mr. Gray, Mr. Green and all that stuff. And then you can't beat the actors that's actually in this movie at all. And that's what I loved about Reservoir Dogs was how real it actually was and how gritty it was. And it has a lot of blood by the time the climax actually hits because of the fact it's a Tarantino film. Uh, I mean, that's a staple in pretty much every Tarantino film. Is. Right. You walk into a Tarantino film knowing that there's going to be a lot of cursing and a lot of blood. <laughs> that's one thing I've been noticing, though. Like, he takes a while now for it to build before he actually does the whole blood bath. Before, it used to be, like, blood bath. And that's all you got, you know? It's yeah. Where it was. Yeah, that's true. And I like the fact that he ends up putting it up there where it's building up to something. And it's actually, and like I like we said before, with the whole gore thing, the violence in the movies is actually needed because it's actually part of the whole plot point and the character of who they are. Oh yeah, it's not senseless violence. Like you know, I I've said it before and I'll say it again. Modern, I love horror movies. One, one of my favorite movie genres. Can't really stand a lot of modern horror movies because I feel like it's just jump scares and meanless blood, blood for no reason. Why do you need blood? Oh well, it's blood. It's scary, but it doesn't serve a purpose. You don't it's need that blood. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they kind of just throw it in there. Tarantino doesn't do that. He kind of he knows when the right right time to use this violence is, <clears throat> and it is part of the story. It's not just you know his violent. Yeah, very violent movies, but in the best way possible. <laughs> right. But uh, what do you like about Reservoir Dogs? What makes it stand out? As make it on your list. So I think one of the things I like the most about it, because it is on my list too, um, is that it's so it's not may not be the first one that he wrote, but it's the first one he directed, and it was an instant hit and an instant classic. Like he his first movie, um, like Tarantino fans know about it very well, I, and. I mean, and even better, it was an independent movie. It wasn't even attached to a major film company or anything. It was an independent one. And he got, you know, he got characters like Steve Buscemi and, stuff, and people like that to be in it, like like big name actors. <clears throat> and, I forgot about that. I forgot about Steve. I forgot about Steve Buscemi being up in that too, because he wasn't a big, 
uh, star during that time like he is now. It, like, but he got, and, and he, like you said, an awesome soundtrack, awesome storyline, all this stuff. And this, his first movie didn't have all the major funding that, you know, his movie na- movies nowadays do because he's become so big. And it was still knocked it out of the park. It's such a good movie. It is, you know, Tarantino, it's violent, it's graphic. Uh, but the storyline is awesome. Just like the, the suspense for that, like, throughout that movie of them trying to figure out what went wrong in this heist. Just so good. It really is. And then you're wondering if there's like a snitch or anything like that that was actually involved with everything too. <clears throat> oh, man. Such a good movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, but I, I actually think I own it. I gotta watch it again. <laughs> As a matter of like fact, I need movie. to go digging through Walmart's $5 bin because it's a couple of years ago. I saw it in the $5 bin. I had it in my hand. But then I'm like, no, I need to have this more than I do a movie at this moment. So I had to put it down. Ah, that's not. I had to put my pri- <laughs> yeah, I had to put my priorities in check. So yeah, well, I mean that's a good but, thing too. Right, but you know what the cool thing is about Reservoir Dogs is it actually got nominated for Independent Spirit Award for Best First Feature, and it got Independent Spirit Award for Best Director. And that's just. Like I said, that's awesome because it was independent. Like he he was doing it himself, and uh, that goes to show. Like if you're really you know dedicated to it, you can you can do it even without uh without all the money backing it up. Uh, I think exactly. it still regularly makes like the top independent films list as like one of the greatest independent films ever made too. Right, and if it wasn't for True Romance, we wouldn't even have this movie. Same thing with him doing that Elvis thing over at the on the Golden Girls. We wouldn't have <laughs> yeah. Reservoir Dogs. We also got to show you where his passion was with this movie because he wrote, you know, True Romance, and he didn't even direct it or anything because he he wanted Reservoir Dogs so bad, and I mean, and he was in it too. It was Mr. Brown, so right. Uh, it's a great movie. I love it. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I still remember it because it's, it's just left that much of an impression on me. It's an awesome movie. What's your number two, though? My number two is Pulp Fiction. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it has gone down as like a cult classic kind of movie. Um, like almost everybody has heard of it at some point. Um, it's been made into memes and all, all kinds of stuff. Because, uh, it, like, it, it's, and, yeah, like, there's some pretty awesome parts of the movie that are funny like that. But overall, it's just a badass movie. Like, you got uh, John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis, Uma Thurman, like, and just throughout that movie, they're just freaking awesome. Uh, and I love the relationship between John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson, their characters throughout it, like, they're so buddy buddy, and they're like psychopaths at the same time. It's it's fantastic, and it's another movie where multiple people are doing multiple things, uh, not really realizing that they're influencing each other in some way, and it's all going to like come together in the end. But it's just a classic. There's so many parts of it that uh, get brought up, like um, even get made fun of, like the the syringe in the chest through the overdose thing. There's a whole bunch of cartoons that always make fun of that, like Family Guy and stuff. But uh, it's just such a good movie, and it's so badass. 
Let's see. What I loved about Pulp Fiction, as a matter of fact, I have this as my number seven. So, but what I liked about Pulp Fiction was the chemistry between Samuel L. Jackson and also John Travolta. I've also liked the setup where you have all these people moving, like I mentioned before, with Inglorious Bastards, and then, of course, have them influencing each other and not knowing that they're influencing each other. Then the diner scene alone at the opening scene was the diner scene was actually pretty neat because you're being first introduced to everything. And then the other thing I liked was how real the chemistry is between Samuel Jackson and John Fulton, where you can actually feel like you're having a normal conversation with a buddy about certain things in a car on a car ride. Like for instance, John Volta is talking about how much bullshit uh, Hollywood is and everything and how fake it is. And then he goes, then one of the guys in the back of the car, he's sitting in the back of the car and everything. And John Volta, of course has his gun in his hand and he's facing him and he's asking him a question. And as he's asking him a question, all of a sudden, the gun goes off, and he accidentally kills the guy. He has blood all over him. And oh, yeah. Samuel Jackson's like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I just, I love, I love the chemistry between those two. Like, you really feel like they're they're real friends in real life, you know, not just actors. It doesn't feel forced or anything like that. I like some of it has to be ad libbed or something because it just feels so natural. The two of them talking and another thing that's kind of gone down in movie history is the whole royale with cheese thing that comes up. Uh, John Travolta said it, says it, brings it up in another one of my favorite movies by him, uh, From Paris with Love. Super underrated, but he brings up the royale with cheese and, like, you know he's referencing back to Pulp Fiction. Like, you know, like, yes, 100% the reason why he said that. <laughs> Not to mention, he was so good in that for Paris with Love movie, though. I mean, I really enjoyed his character. Oh, yeah, so underrated. Such an underrated movie. I love that movie. And I feel like every time I mention it to people, like, like either so so few people have seen it or even heard of it, and it's great. It's super, it's super awesome. And John Travolta is such a badass in it. He is. It just shows you the level and the how good of an actor he actually is, and everything. And he's getting so much crap now with memes, mm. just like Nicolas Cage is. I just felt bad for. For him in a way, because I want a big comeback for John DeVolta. I do too. He's been in a couple of shit movies lately, which is unfortunate. To but, be honest uh, with you, Gotti could have been better, but you had certain people leaving projects, you had certain uh, directors leaving, writers changing stuff up. And matter of fact, they even had a flat screen whenever it was supposed to set, be set in the 70s, and you can actually see the flat screen in the background. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, this is poorly done. <laughs> But you know he—that's one thing though. He doesn't actually try try to force his acting. You can actually believe that he's that character. Yeah, he's he's good at what he does. What's but, next on uh? What's next on your list though? Number four would be Django Unchained, and what I want to mention too is when Tarantino actually makes his movies, he goes through his whole entire vinyl stuff where he picks out the songs for his sound for the soundtrack and he actually pictures his characters moving with the songs that he's actually picking up from the vinyl stuff. His, so when he got Django, he picked up a bunch of country songs. His sound the soundtracks of his movies are always pretty spot on. They're always pretty awesome. He he does them well. Um the songs feel like they go there. So I can definitely see him doing that. 
most definitely. And then the chemistry with Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz is really good too. And I, I know you mentioned this before where it's kind of like a love story in a way because of the fact that Jamie Foxx is trying to find his wife that got sold because she's a slave. And while he's doing that, he's also doing bounty hunting. So along the way, he's met, trying to make his way to his wife, wherever she may be. Yeah. And, and yeah, then... Bounty, bounty hunting and, like, uh, you know, hitmen and, like, paid contract killers, all, all that stuff, like, comes up pretty often in a lot of his movies. Uh, That's what I love about his movies, though. I love the hitman's kind of thing to it. And also to bounty hunters and stuff like that. It keeps the in story most movies, they're the bad guys. And he makes them right. out to be the heroes in his one. Right. Um, of course, I also like the whole entire KKK thing because of Jonah Hill being in it. Yeah, I didn't realize that was him. I totally had yeah. no idea that that was him for forever. <laughs> well, it's such a nice mask. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's talking so much crap because the masks just don't go well or anything like that. Because I had to make my eyes bigger. Because I can't see shit out of it. <laughs> and the guy goes, my wife uh, worked really hard for that. <laughs> the guy is so funny. Me. It really was. That piece of dialogue right there made me laugh my butt off. And then, of course, another thing is Leonardo DiCaprio and, uh, and Samuel Jackson in it as well. I really love the chemistry with them, too. You can actually know that Samuel Jackson's the butler, too. Leonardo DiCaprio and everything for years and sent for years ago. <laughs> Probably oh, back yeah. when. And I thought that was actually pretty cool. And then, of course, you know, I'm always, I always love this though, where Leonardo DiCaprio cuts his hand and he just doesn't even care that his his hand is cut, and that's totally improv. Oh um, yeah, he he really busted his hand. He was bleeding everything, and that was not supposed to happen. That uh, that was complete accident, and that just shows like Leo is so awesome because he. Just kept rolling with it. He he just kept going on with the scene, and it was so ended up being so good that that's the scene they used. Uh, and it's just awesome. I feel like uh, a lot of actors. I mean, Samuel Jackson is in so many of his movies, and he reuses quite a few of them. Christopher Waltz, we already talked about too. Leo ends up in another movie uh, that is on my list, and it's the thing that like. He, I feel like he really respects his actors and how they do it and allows them to kind of add their own flavor to it in a way um, because I, it seems like he's got a really good relationship going on with his actors. I agree. His actor, <sighs> That's the job of the director, though, is to get the best um, the whole, basically getting the best he can out of his actors and that's what a job of a director is supposed to do and I love the fact that he uses the same actors and everything else because he knows that if he pays him a certain amount of money that he's going to get the best out of his actors and, oh, everything. Yeah. and he feels comfortable with them opposed to getting someone new I know people make jokes about Johnny Depp and Tim Burton and stuff like that and also Tarantino, Tarantino working with the same actors and even Martin Scorsese, but hey, if you can get your actors to work for you and play those characters the way you're supposed to play them, go for it. And everything. Yeah. yeah you, might go out of your, you might be in your safe zone, but at least you know that you can actually bank on the fact that it's going to make money. Not only that, but you know that people are going to come out and see it because number one is a Tarantino film and Leonardo DiCaprio is going to deliver every single time. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a safe zone, but it's a safe zone you want to be in. Like, Uma Thurman, again, does a ton of his movies. And it's, there's obviously a reason for it. If they obviously get along and work well together, I mean, and they deliver in his movies. And so you got to respect that. But uh, I also really like Tangle and Change. It's a pretty cool movie. Uh, I like the whole, you know, uh, the love story attached to it, but it's still also kind of a story of, of like revenge in a way of getting back at, you know, this whole system. Uh, and it's really cool. It's a great movie. Of course, it's got its super cool gunfights and it's just awesome in that whole aspect. But overall, it is it's still a fantastic movie. It's very well done. You know what makes me laugh, though? Like, there's this part where he's in the mansion or, or whatever and, and the guy is talking, Samuel Jackson's character is talking or whatever and all of a sudden... I think he just blasts the guy away or or it was one of the maids. I'm not sure what it was, but all of a sudden the body just goes flying and I just crack up laughing because of how the body winds up flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Samuel Jackson was fantastic in the movie. He's so crazy. It was like bug eyes. It's awesome. And another thing too is, did you know they actually came out with Django Unchained cereal? No. That sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds awesome, but it's also bad though. Because oh, really? just, yeah, it's like the most racist cereal that you can actually eat. That's how. Oh bad my god! It. Yeah, like. Why does that not surprise me? Like I was watching uh, the people who do the honest trailers. They actually have a show that they actually do, and Hal Rudnick was actually um, looking at the cereal and everything. As a matter of fact, they actually banned the cereal because how racist it actually is. That's so funny. And you know what? I'll even admit it. It is racist. It is like the most <laughs> racist thing that you can actually eat. Because of the way because number one it has guns in it. Not only does it have a gun in it, it has a whip. It has other stuff in it that's actually <laughs> racist. I got this slide this somewhere. Probably eBay for like a hundred <laughs> bucks for a box or something. It's really bad. I'm like, yeah, you guys shouldn't have actually made that. <laughs> that That's was just funny. wrong on so many levels. But anyways, uh, what's your number four? Uh, let's see. My number four was Reservoir Dogs and Django. So my next one is uh, Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. Uh, I like that movie a lot. It's one of the ones I've seen more recently. Uh, by him, so it's still pretty fresh in my head. Um, I like it. I like how it's kind of like a, a cowboy whodunit kind of thing, uh, where you know that there's a, there's a whole bunch of characters stuck in one room who cannot leave, who are all just awful people. <laughs> and it's that none of those people I would ever want to spend a minute in the same room with, let alone like have be forced to stay in that room with all of them. And it's a uh, I'm not really a big person on Western movies and stuff like that, but I do like Quentin Tarantino's takes on them. Because uh, I feel like uh, they're, they're always something that's action-packed, but with a, a really cool story, too. So it's kind of, like, like I said before, it's kind of like a whodunit. You're trying to figure out, like, something is wrong. One of these things is not like the others. Uh, and it has to do with bounty hunters and criminals and surviving this snowstorm stuck in this one room uh, with with all these crazy characters. Uh, again, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, 
is in it. He's the main guy in Kurt Russell, and I freaking love Kurt Russell too. So anything with those two, I will definitely go see. <clears throat> and just the way it plays out, I, I like it. I'm a big fan of that movie. Um, I'm a, Get this. I'm actually not a big country western kind of guy either. Like, I like Sharon Stone's Quick and the Dead with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. I like certain, um, basically, I like movie Western movies whenever you're having, like, a shootout type of thing going on, you know? Like, where they're facing yeah. off against each other, seeing who is the best shooter. I like those kind of Westerns. And everything kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly. But what I liked about, here's the thing, I liked aspects of this movie. I didn't really like it that's why it's not really on my list but i like the fact that it's all set in one room it's kind of like a clue set it clue type movie that's actually in the western days and then of course you also have uh walter hoggins i think is his name that's plays a sheriff in it yes and And he is also awesome in that movie the very first time to be honest with you the very first time i saw walter hoggins he was actually playing a uh, Transvestite in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I actually yeah. never watched Sons of Anarchy, and everybody always gives me crap for it. It's but, good. It's a good show. But... Yeah, everyone tells me that. I just never, never, but, it's not that I never got into it. I never watched it. So. Right. But Walter plays a, a, a plays a women, woman that's named uh, Venus. <coughs> and, and the way that he carries himself in that show is just great. And the way that he also carries himself in The Hateful Eight is really good. Because Walter has so many layers that he can actually unpack if he's given the right kind of role. Yeah. He's not one-dimensional when he's acting. It's the according to the character that he has to play that he either plays one-dimensional or he plays several different layers to that character. But like you mentioned too, though, too, was the fact that everybody's trapped inside this whole entire cabin together and they all don't even like each other oh they hate and, each other. <laughs> and you know everybody is backstabbing somebody everybody's trying to kill somebody nobody is safe in this cabin you don't even want to be locked up in this cabin with them that's how bad they are oh yeah and it's you're suspicious from the very beginning too right. it's another thing. like from the very beginning you know like something here is not not right and it, it's just so it's just good i like that movie a lot I like that too, and then also too the built up towards the end of it, and then of course you also have Shading Shading Tatum in it too, and I'm like I'm hoping that he dies in like the first ten fifteen minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but you know I really like the fact that Tarantino actually did something a little bit different outside of his realm. I remember when his script got leaked for the hateful eight at the point where he didn't even want to do this movie yeah he he was per- really upset about that and uh i think samuel L. jackson is the one that actually talked him into doing it being like no you still got to go through with this right he talked him into it but not only that but whenever he did the reading for the script to certain audiences like he ended up taking a day out of his time and talked to some film students and everything, and did a reading of the script, and that's what made him feel passionate to actually film it, too. Oh, my God, he did. Maybe he did. Because that would have been the same if this got left, you know, just piling dust somewhere. Right, because I remember he was actually wanting to retire after The Hateful Eight, and then, of course, you know, a couple of films later, he's still, oh, yeah. he's still doing his thing. 
But, you know, I can appreciate what he did with The Hateful Eight and everything. I'm not going to down down the movie at all because I didn't enjoy the aspects of that movie. But is there anything else that you want to add for The Hateful Eight, though? No, not really. All right. Good movie. <laughs> Let's see here. For me, for number five is Jackie Brown. And, okay. Yeah. And, of course, you know, what I liked about this was whenever Tarantino decided to make Jackie Brown, he did a whole bunch of soul music. He was listening to soul music and stuff like that, trying to build the character for Jackie Brown. And, of course, it also has Samuel Jackson in it. And, you know, I really have to say this was actually one of my favorite ones in the 90s. And the, basically the plot is when flight attendant Jackie Brown is busted for smuggling money for uh, her arm dealer's boss, Odell Robbie, Samuel, that's Samuel Jackson's character, Agent Ray Nick, uh, Nick Nolte, <laughs> played by Michael Keaton, and Detective Mark Dargis, Michael uh, Bowen, want her, uh, want her help to bring down Robbie, facing jail time for her silence or death or for her cooperation. Bowen decides instead to double-cross both parties and make off with the smuggled money. <laughs> so there again, you have someone backstabbing somebody and taking it off with money. <laughs> oh, this sounds awesome! Like uh, it really is. Like I love, I love Samuel Jackson. Michael Keane is also a super badass character. I mean, take one, Batman. So exactly. Like, uh, so that is just awesome. This just sounds sounds like a Tarantino movie. That's for sure. And of course, you know what else I like about it though was the fact that it doesn't lose its uh, flavor when it comes down to that whole entire aspect of him using that music that I mentioned, where it was like the soul type of music. And of course, Sam Samuel Jackson's character is this kind of soul type of character in a certain sense, but also you know he does the Samuel L. Jackson thing, but you know. <laughs> But still, it's such a great movie. The chemistry, the way that everything is set up and everything is really great. I recommend it for uh, not even a one-time watch. This movie, you would have to at least watch a couple more times to actually get what's actually going on in the movie itself. Because there's a lot a lot of stuff to actually process, of course. And of course, it actually heats up at like towards the end of it. And this is hands down one of my favorite Tarantino movies, aside from true romance and reservoir dogs but you know jackie brown to me is like a highly underrated quentin tarantino film because nobody really watched jackie brown at least i i I didn't watch it i uh it's on my list that's definitely true that and true romance uh but yeah it sounds it sounds awesome it sounds really cool i definitely want to see that um what's on your number five um, the next on my list is from Dusk Till Dawn. All right, that's actually my number eight, so I can. Uh, it's he didn't direct it, but he uh started it and he uh wrote it. Um, it's directed by uh, Robert Rodriguez, and but that movie is just filled with epicness. It's just so awesome. It's a vampire movie that is pretty, unlike pretty much any other vampire movie you've ever seen. It's normally a vampire movie. It's, oh, stick to the shadows. Don't let the world know. You know, <laughs> stealth and and take out your prey quietly. And this is like, alright, sun's down. Let's murder all these people in this freaking strip club in the most violent way we possibly can. 
And, and God knows how many times that they actually killed people and then after that cleaned up the mess and then lured more people in. Oh, yeah. I mean, so much bleach. <laughs> I can't even imagine how much they pay in cleaning supplies. But, uh, oh, it's just, and it's, it's a really campy movie and it's really cheesy, but in like the best way possible. It is just so awesome. Uh, and you got George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino playing brothers who are criminals. They're trying to uh, get through Mexico to, uh, you know, to their freedom, you know. And then you got other people like uh, Danny Trejo being super awesome with a friggin' gun on his belt. <laughs> it's just, just ridiculous stuff like that. It's, it's just such a badass movie. Uh, the, the pastor. Uh, oh, I'm pretty sure, I mean, if I remember correctly, he like, he like blesses their bullets at one point. Yeah, it's so much ridiculous shit, but it's so freaking awesome. It was because, get this, it was actually a new spin on vampires that we haven't seen before. Where you know, okay, he's blessing bullets because you don't have actual holy water, so he's gonna bless bullets instead. This is fantastic. It's like it's it is so campy, but it's in the best ways possible it definitely it's not it can't be and you're watching and you're like uh you're watching it and you're like this is so cool <laughs> uh what i loved about it was the fact is you know it doesn't even seem like it's setting up for a vampire type movie at all it just seems like that these two brothers one is a smart one the other one's just a dim-witted pervert <laughs> that, <Quentin Tarantino. laughs> right Spoiler alert. can't shut up and run his mouth and of course, they try and go through the border of Mexico in that um, pastor's uh, RV and everything. And here he is trying to hit on the pastor's daughter, who's like 15, 16 years old. But I think the best part about it is you're right. Like, you have no idea this is a vampire movie going in. You're just like, okay, so this is a bunch of criminals trying to trying to kidnap people in the, in the skate. And then all of a well, sudden, holy crap, it's a vampire movie. <laughs> right, and not only that, but George Clooney and them were actually going to Mexico to meet up with somebody to yeah. do some type of deal. And then the twist ends up happening. And what I loved about too was whenever you have Cheech Marinette going and saying, "Well, we got this kind of titties, we got this titty, we got <laughs> that," and <laughs> and then Sama Hayek walks on the stage, and I'm just drooling on myself the whole entire time because. Let's just say that's actually my Latina uh, wife that she doesn't even know that I'm married to her, <laughs> but <laughs> she is just great in that movie. And then her doing the stripping and everything and striptease and everything. I mean, it was just phenomenal to me. Oh, yeah. But like I said before, the very first time I saw her in a movie was Desperado. But what else I liked about it was, yeah, like you mentioned before, it's campy. It's very campy and cheesy, but it works for its universe that, it, that they created. And, you know, I really have to say that is one of my favorite movies that Robert Rodriguez actually directed. Yeah, it's just a fantastic movie. It is. It's so fun. And Robert Rodriguez, he's done a lot of other movies that I like, uh, like Sin City. I absolutely love Sin City. Uh, and uh, I believe he did um, Sin City 2. Uh and like he's just he's just awesome, but uh, but this movie is fantastic. Let's see here. Uh, 
For mine, for number six, is Kill Bill Volume 1. Okay, so that's on my list, too. It's a little bit farther down. But it is a pretty awesome movie. It's, well, it's really well-known uh, for good reason. But why is it Why is it one of your favorites, Sean? Please enlighten me. Because I love revenge-type stories. That's why. I love revenge tales. Oh, that's and, definitely a revenge tale. And I love the fact that Oma Thurman... This is actually one of my first times that I actually got to see a revenge tale told behind the woman, the lens of a woman, of a woman versus a man, and it just shows you the levity of what Uma Thurman can do, and everything. There's like so many layers that she actually unpacks in this movie for this whole entire thing. And of course, she wakes up from a coma, and every all the events, all the flashbacks, everything takes place, and it goes up to the from back before the coma and then after the coma and then once it goes into present day it just doesn't slow down it's just a speedy process all the way through and then that sword fight and everything that's what i loved i love the sword fight the theme song music i love that whole entire aspect there's even like to me with her wearing that yellow uh, jumpsuit that was like a throwback to bruce lee for me And and having that little 70s fighting style kind of movie to me. That's what it looked like to me. That's why I love Kill Bill Volume 1. So I love Kill Bill Volume 1 too, and uh, that's another one where he uses a lot of the same actors. Uma Thurman, uh, Michael uh, Madsen, and a couple other people appear in his movies. And if I I remember correctly, I I heard this, uh, I think it was when they were working on Pulp Fiction together and Uma Thurman, they actually came up with the idea for Kill Bill, and it wasn't until, like, years later that they were actually able to do it. Um, See, I didn't know that. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, remember reading that somewhere, and uh, that, like, they were t- kind of talking about this movie already, like, oh, some revenge female perspective movie with sword fights. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that's awesome. Um... I love that movie. It is it is awesome. It is a super cool like sword fights sword fight movies are few and far between that are that action packed. Like I mean there's movies, you know, like uh Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and stuff like that and there's, you know, movies like that, but I feel like it's more more like skillful uh oh, you know, I'm the crane and all this stuff and you know this is <laughs> I mean, well, these are just like chopping off as many limbs as possible in the coolest way. Like, especially that uh, that dojo fight scene, or oh. uh, or, oh, where she's fighting like oh, like freaking thirty people. That's <laughs> the scene that I'm talking about. That's the scene that I love. Is that, that dojo. scene is so so cool? <laughs> like so bad. It really is. Um, it shows why you're invested into this movie in so in such a way. And the choreography, like how smooth it all is while still so crazy, is it's just awesome. And uh, it is a great movie. I, I absolutely love it. It's cool. I, I like that movie a lot. So what's next on your list? What is next on my list? Let's see. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, that's actually my number eight. So we're going to do it. That movie, I only saw it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I red boxed it to see it because I've been wanting to for a while. Um, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Quentin Tarantino directed it. So, and you know, follows 
uh, like the Manson murders a little bit. So I was like, all right, like this is a movie I want to see. <laughs> and it's another one of those, uh, you know, fake, you know, fake history things where it uses a historical event, but it is so far detached from what really happened uh, that it's, it's just fiction based on small parts of history. Uh, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> but uh, it's, I really like it. I really like the chemistry between Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's characters. Uh, they're like their best friends. And they're really struggling, but they like kind of lean on each other, pull each other together in the best ways possible. And uh, it's all leading up. It's definitely a slow burn kind of a movie. <clears throat> like, you know that something big is coming, but you don't know when it's actually going to happen. It's pretty long, too. <clears throat> like a two-hour and, I want to say, 45-minute movie? Yeah, yeah. It's all, close to three hours. And for most of that movie, it's all build-up. It's all, like, explaining their lives, what's going on in their lives. And and it's leading up to a moment you know that is going to be intense. And when they finally gets to that moment, it's so satisfying. It's such a cool moment. It's so badass what they do. And uh, I like it. It is a slow burn movie. It's one of those movies that you gotta like kind of get into, uh, and just be patient with it. But the storyline is so so well written that you get invested in these guys' lives and where they're going and their struggle uh, in Hollywood. You know, the town of of stars, and it follows these guys who are just trying to stay afloat in it. And uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's very well done. In my opinion, you see, I rented it because of how you reviewed it and everything for the best movies of the deca- decade, and so I decided to go on ahead and rent it and everything. Especially whenever I was worried that it was going to be entertaining, uh, Charles Manson and stuff like that. But since it was like an uh, what if kind of story scenario, I was okay with it. Uh, so I went on ahead, I checked it out. The opening scene for me whenever you first get introduced into Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's world where Brad Pitt's the stuntman and Leonardo DiCaprio's the actor and then of course what I loved about it was this and this is the part that made me laugh this is the part that made me laugh though was the part where um, was the part where they're in the bar and Leonardo DiCaprio is saying yeah, this is my friend and everything. He drives me everywhere. And then all of a sudden, Brad Pitt does a whole entire complete turnaround and goes, no, this asshole ended up getting a DUI. And now I'm <laughs> having to drive. It's like 10th DUI or some stupid like that. He lost his license, so now he has to. Right. <laughs> and that's what made me laugh, though. And then, you know, you see him driving this nice car. You see Brad Pitt driving this r- nice car and everything up landing out of the Caprios. And then he gets into his his car and it's just a hoopty. Yep. It's just a, a point A to point B kind of car. It's not some of those things that you can actually get lucky with the ladies or anything. The only thing that makes him actually be able to get laid is his looks pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, of course you also see him looking at this one girl and you're wondering what's going to happen with him and this girl. Because you see her at the red light, you see her around the neighborhood, but you know that Tarantino puts certain people in there 
for a point. And you'll yeah. want to show back up again. And she and does. I, and I really like that. I really like the fact, you know, he finally picks her up. And she's making moves on him and everything. He's actually scared to even do anything with her. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, and then I liked it whenever he winds up throwing the Bruce Lee character against Oh, that was funny. <laughs> that was that funny. Was, that was so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I like that movie a lot, too. Um, I, I like the end. I really like the end. I really wish... You know, it's it's based on the Manson murders, uh, but it is you know Tarantino style history, so it's like the, the Tarantino alternate universe. I wish that right. it really happened that way. <laughs> um, but, Me um, too. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's it's a slow burn to a really big explosion, but even that slow burn is something that keeps you on the edge of your seat. That makes you really you get invested in that movie and those characters and in their lives and what's going on. So. I, I love that movie. So so well done. Same here. And then I love the part where, you know... Everything okay? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was washing my hands. <laughs> but, no, my favorite part... My favorite part, though, too, was when Leonardo DiCaprio was sitting in his pool and then all this commotion's going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. The freaking <laughs> flamethrower. <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't even want to spoil it. No, no, this no. Little, no that's all, little, that's all, that's all great. <laughs> it made me laugh my ass off. I'm oh, me too. Laugh. Me too. And I was the, cracking up. The bear scene that made me laugh, but you know, it's classic Tarantino for what he is. What he's doing. Oh yeah. Um. So, let's see here. For me. I actually have Natural Born Killers as my number 10. That's my number 9. <laughs> okay, awesome. And it's not even a directed by Quentin Tarantino movie either. It's directed by Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm, but uh, Tarantino is the writer. And I yep. actually didn't know that for the longest time. I had no idea that he wrote it. Uh, it's very uh, different. Yeah. yeah. But in case anybody's wondering what the actual plot is, it's Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis are two young, attractive serial killers who become tabloid TV darlings thanks to a sense of, well, pretty much just this guy who's a press led by Robert Downey Jr. The press reports that the pair as they go on a 52 people's killing spree. And the thing is, you're wondering, too, if Robert Downey Jr. is going to get out of this whole entire situation as well because of the stuff and the events that happens inside the jail cell with these people and everything. Yeah, it's, then... it's pretty intense. Uh, it's based on a, on a real uh, serial killer couple, too. Um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, look up uh, Charles Starkweather uh, and, his, and his girlfriend. I forget his girlfriend's name. But um, the movie is based largely on their uh, killing spree, uh, where the, the boyfriend and girlfriend uh, killing her parents and uh, going with her to go kill other people on kind of like a ruthless, like no real rhyme or reason. Just, oh, if you just come on the side of the road, I'm going to murder them. Like, and uh, so, yeah, Charles Stockwell. Um, and that's what the movie is loosely based on. Uh, so pretty messed up (laughs) 
what did you think of the pacing of the film and also the uh the way the direction that it went i like it um it's definitely a, a different kind of uh you can you can see the tarantino in it but it's still slightly different from a lot of his other movies woody harrelson i love him he's he's a phenomenal actor just about everything he does he is scary in this movie he is so dark and it and then you got like uh and then you got other people like uh Rodney Dangerfield in it. We got uh, Jared Harris and uh, people who you wouldn't really ex- and I, you mentioned before Robert Downey Jr. People you wouldn't really expect to be in this movie because it is really bloody and really brutal. It really literally, is. It's literally about a serial killer killing spree couple and their yeah. I guess adventure you could call it. Right. <laughs> it's messed up but it's, but it's done so well that it's a really good my mom hates this movie by the way she does <laughs> yeah because she she thinks it's like it's too much for her is, is what she said she's like nah it's too much for me and i was like yeah i could see that but me too but it's instant classic i mean you have robert Downey jr who's playing this snarky kind of press guy you mean the you mean robert downey jr playing yeah, robert downey jr yeah <laughs> pretty much or uh, Tony Stark. <laughs> Pretty much. Because, you know, you can actually see some Tony Stark-isms inside that whole entire National Born Killers type of thing. Where he's just trying to get TV ratings, basically. And trying to get the hype so the way his channel or whatever is actually going to be able to uh, be number one, in a sense. Because he's got Woody Harrelson, who's actually the number one National Killer. National Born Killer on there. And being interviewed. And it's just chilling and mind-boggling on how great Woody Harrelson actually is and how dark that character is. Yeah, definitely a a messed up movie, but very well done. That's why that movie is actually my number 10 on the list. So so My last movie on the list is Kill Bill Volume 2. So I I like Kill Bill Volume 1, obviously, and but you know, it it's a movie that you need a part two for. It doesn't finish the story. Uh, so <clears throat> volume two, I don't like it as much as I like volume one, obviously. But I uh, I think it was still a pretty awesome movie. Uh, there's some really cool scenes in it. Uh, you know where she's kind of, and it kind of goes more into the background of why she's trying to get this revenge so desperately. Like, the first story, you you know why, but the second one delves deeper into it uh, as to, like, her real reasons for doing so and the people who are trying to stop her and everything <laughs> and what their reasons are for. Um, and I like it. Uh, it's not, you know, as good as the first one. Most sequels usually aren't, in my opinion, but it's still a badass movie. Irma Thurman is still, you know, kicking ass and taking names with her sword, so, so I like it. You see, that's not even on my list at all, because I enjoyed aspects of it, but it's not something that I could actually say that, wow, this movie is fantastic. But... Yeah, I that's do why it's last on my list. <laughs> but you know what, though? They're, they're actually still talking about making a volume three. Really? That would be interesting. Yeah. There's still, Tarantino, I think, is still trying to play around with how we can make a part three. 
So I would love to see a part three to that. Oh, yeah, I'd see it. I'd still go. <laughs> but anyways, um, is there anything else that you wanted to add um, to the, to anything? Any honorable missions or anything like that? Or you're good? Um, not really. Tarantino was yeah. in Little Nicky. That's about it. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> that he was in Little Nicky. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he played That's one, right, of, he one played... of the side characters. I forget who, though. Wait, he played the priest. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay, um, because I, I, I could see his face and everything. Okay. And yeah, you know, and then he was Elvis and the Golden Girls, and you know, that's what I want to throw in there. <laughs> well, he was even in a Desperado cameo for, um, in that Antonio Banderas movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was the guy who was like, you know what? This reminds me of a joke. And America. Oh fact, yeah. Yeah. It was the guy who made that joke. Like he goes in the bar. Of course, Cheech already pisses inside the beer, and they're drinking actual piss. And Tarantino's over there drinking it. And just you know what? This reminds me of a joke once. <laughs> and he goes, and the way the joke actually went, I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit because it's been forever. But he goes, I I bet you ten dollars, and I can piss in that in that um in that bottle right over there. The bartender's laughing and goes, Okay, you're on. The guy whips out his thing, he goes on ahead, starts pissing everywhere, all over the bar, all over the bartender. He's laughing, the bartender thinks he's actually got the money. Then all of a sudden he goes, What are you laughing about, idiot? He goes, I bet those other guys at the pool table that I would piss on you, piss on the bar, piss all over the place, and you wouldn't even be mad about it. Yeah, that's and- right. That was my very Quinn Tarantino part in the whole entire movie. That's and... fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's going to do it for now for Movie Loves Unite. Uh, tell people where people can reach you at, Rick, if they want to follow you. Uh, I have run a Facebook page called The Joker Unleashed. It's all about the Joker and Batman and uh, mostly Joker. <laughs> but uh, we share news and uh, artwork and all kinds of stuff like that. So, if any, you want to get in touch with me there, give it a follow. Pretty cool page. You'll probably like it if you uh, are in a bloody mayhem like Quentin Tarantino style movies. And of course, I'm also um, one of the admins for the page and everything else as well. I go by Johnny Frost. So, if you want to also go on ahead, give it a like, go ahead and do that. And of course, if you want to follow me, you can go on ahead and follow me on. Twitter at John DiGiorgio, or you can follow me at Movie Loves Unite on Twitter, or you can follow me on Instagram at Movie Loves Unite. Do it. Follow on all of it. On all that other social media stuff, you know where to find me. And of course, you can also find me on Facebook at Movie Lovers and TV Lovers Unite. And this is going to be it for the podcast for tonight. And of course, and stay tuned until next time. And bye bye. All right. Bye. See you, Rich. Right. Peace.